What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Greg Piatelli breaking down the first week of the Major League Baseball season. We talk about the Marlin situation, some Phillies talk, Joe Kelly versus the Houston Astros, some Red Sox talk. We hand out our usual weekly awards, a new segment alert. You'll have to look out for that. Then we jump into a little hockey talk. We talk about what's been going on inside the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto and give some quick picks for the round robins and the five-game series is for the qualifying round. We will be back on Sunday night for a full playoff preview, give our reactions to the first couple games, and see if our picks still hold up. This one was a lot of fun to record. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. Search it, follow it. You are not going to want to miss any more of our coverage, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, if football happens. Greg is going to break down the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League, at some point. He was going to tonight, but it was a little too long, so keep an eye out for that. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderbug Sports on Instagram. And join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Facebook group, is where we collect fan questions. We got a bunch of them tonight. Thank you to everybody who submitted one. Enjoy this episode. We will see you guys at the end of the weekend. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me this week, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend himself, all the way up from Boston, Massachusetts, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? Amped, excited. Sports are back. Uh, I don't care what everyone says. Oh, they've been back forever. Nope. Fuck that noise. It's back right now. Um... We got lacrosse, banger, coming out hot starting with lacrosse. We got lacrosse, NHL is this weekend, NBA is tomorrow. this weekend. Thursday tomorrow. night. Yep. Well, yeah, we don't know when this will be released. Tonight, we're in the future. They're uh, recording this Wednesday night. Thursday night, basketball's back. You know, obviously, you got Major League Baseball for at least another week, maybe less. Uh, you got soccer football's training camps are starting this is what a t- what what a <laughs> what a crazy crazy time to be alive because we have all these sports happening all at the same time it's heavenly. It's a true te- well it's heavenly but i also think it's a true test of because it's just impossible to consume it all right i think it's a true test of of sports fans but also you know which which team will you would like Worst case scenario, Jordy, you got the Flyers in a playoff game, the Sixers in a playoff game, and the Phillies playing name biggest rival this year all in the same night. What are you watching? You know what I mean? Like, this is the biggest test of that. Obviously, you'll probably watch basketball because of your roommate, but realistically, what would you personally be watching (laughs) if your roommate wasn't there? So... It's funny, last night, Tuesday night, Flyers had their exhibition game, 4 o'clock, we watched that, I make dinner, finish up some work, Peloton, 
that the Sixers are on. So we watched that, and we're flipping between that. And you got some more preseason hockey. You had the Battle of Alberta, which was awesome. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Flipping between that, baseball, actual regular season on ESPN, on Fox Sports 1, then over on NBC Sports, the regular one, not the Philly one. We got Premier Lacrosse League, like you were talking about. There's soccer on ESPN 2. Uh, my, my thumb was getting sore from doing a lot of the uh, the channel changing to uh, catch up with everything. And it really was, uh, you know, what gun to your head, what are you going to pick? Where this Saturday, you mentioned it, hockey starting, the Sixers have their first game against the Pacers. I've already decided I'm going to bring my computers downstairs, my personal and my work one. I'm going to have the, the Sixers on the main TV because you mentioned it, the uh, the roommate, the lady. She's a big Sixers fan. Uh, not sure if I'm allowed to unveil uh, her big plans, but she has big plans in regards to the Sixers. Um, but then good friend of the show, Jared, big Penguins fan, doesn't have cable yet. He just moved. So we're going to put that on one computer. Probably get, because I think it's only one hockey game at a time, get like a baseball game on another computer. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a nice little uh, nice little night at the house on Saturday. It's going to be great. I mean, I hope you don't invite Jared over, but. No, he doesn't have cable. It's, it, I got to, you know, got to help out the community. He's my neighbor now. Got to help a neighbor that, out. Is that his choice? Uh, apparently, his house is wired for Verizon, but they want Comcast. Don't ask me why they are not getting Verizon, but they're. they're they're having troubles getting Comcast to come to their house, which is par for the course of Comcast. <sighs> cry me a river. Even like, oh, Greg, even 10 blocks from the headquarters of Comcast. Oh, cry the, me a the river. Buildings, the buildings that saved oh. Philadelphia sports. Cry ten... me, cry me. Okay, JT, JT, calm down. Cry me, cry I'm trying to rip on Comcast, but the people who hate big business... Would love this segment, but you're ruining it. We're trying to re- you know, re- relate to the audience, Greg. You know, Jordy, I love Comcast. Do you? So you love Philly? I love it. I, I don't know. I don't know if I love Philly, but I love Comcast. Well, anyway, let's get into the big stories. You mentioned a little bit with baseball, um, and for those that are familiar with the with the bullpen cart and the way that we do the show, we're changing it up this year a little bit. Uh, for those that are new, you caught us during quarantine or last year during football. Um, the rundown of the show the menu whatever you want to call it what we're going to start doing with the top stories and mix in with those the phillies and red sox talk is you should know at this point i'm a phillies fan greg's a red sox fan normally we would save that until after our weekly awards we're going to do them before uh just because we had originally saved the best for last of talking about our teams but want to try to indulge ourselves a little more so we're not feeling like we need to rush through it uh, so then we go to awards. Then we're going to do a fantasy draft. We'll explain that when we get there. Then we have a little bit of hockey talk, a little other, you know, other miscellaneous. I might have Greg try to explain Premier Lacrosse League to me at the end. It's going to be a fun show, but that's the rundown. Let us know what you think of it and all that stuff. Greg, does it sound like a plan to you? Uh, honestly, I can't wait to explain how awesome the PLL Premier Lacrosse League is to you. That might be – I mean, I might I might fast forward myself and just skip ahead to that part. Um <laughs> when this is live for the world to hear, but uh, let's do it. All right. So the top story, which also fits into Philly's talk, but it is sadly, we got to do the more serious little sad part first, the Marlins story. For those have not seen it, which means you're either not watching sports, not paying attention to anything. The Marlins on Sunday afternoon, their scheduled starter was scratched. It turns out he tested positive for COVID-19 him and four other players. Him and a few other players. I don't think it was four on Sunday. Um, I think it might have just been like a couple others. But on Monday, after they played, they decided to play the game. The, the players all said, we want to play. They play the game against the Phillies. They win. They 
put up a ton of runs on Vince Velasquez, Nick Pavetta, and the rest of the Phillies bullpen, um, which we'll talk about in Phillies talk. But then on Monday, it turns out that a bunch more of the team has also tested positive, and more and more of them have tested positive as the week has gone on. The Marlins immediately nicks their home opener. It'll happen at the very latest, or the very earliest, this upcoming Monday against, ironically, the Phillies. But their whole week gets canceled. Um, The Phillies, they postpone their game against the Yankees on Monday. They then postpone it again Tuesday morning because they want to keep testing the Phillies players and see what's going on with them. Uh, They've tested negative over the last couple days. Then, the other night, I believe it was on Tuesday night, it comes out in an interview that Bob Nightingale, the journalist for USA Today, did with a radio station in Pittsburgh that the allegedly... Take this what you will, because he just talked about this candidly on an interview, that the that the Marlins players went out in Atlanta. You heard me stumble through a BR sound because they were playing the Braves as their tune-up game before they flew up to Philadelphia. They A bunch of them apparently went out, at least a, at least a few is what Nightingale said. And that's apparently how they contracted it, and they decided to play. And, yeah, now you know a lot of people have wondered, should the season shut down, which... No one in the Central or West Super Bubbles, if you want to call them that, because they're only keeping it within, you know, directionally, if you remember from our preview. But none of those have tested positive. We haven't gotten anything there. But it does raise the question of what's going on with everything. And, Greg, before we get into a fan question that we have of what we think of the end of the season, or how the season will go, what is your response to, to all of this? Like, what was your – how did you react to it, and, and what do you think now? Yeah, uh Two things. I mean, it's proving more that there should have been two host cities bubble type of thing, like the NHL or uh, the NBA. Or soccer or lacrosse. Soccer or lacrosse. You know, just proof that that is the right move um, because clearly, especially on a – I mean, this is a 30-man roster, right? And then you add managers and staff, et cetera. Let's say all in there's – 45 to 50 get 50 people who travel with the team, right? That means in every city for those three days, those 50 guys have to either those three, those 50 guys have to stay in the hotel or be in the ballpark. That's all they can do. That's all you can do as is that's it. You like, if you go out, you're, you're, there's a high chance or there's a chance you're going to get coronavirus, especially because, you know, every part of the, country is different so you know if i if if i live in florida and i'm used to not wearing a mask and then i go to a city where everyone's wearing a mask guess what you're now the asshole without a mask and and you're doing something wrong and and you're now infecting everyone else around you right so proof of the bubble working just because there's too many guys to control and if you go city to city and you travel city to city this is what happens right now not only are you affecting your own team the marlins you're affecting philadelphia you're affecting the yankees you're affecting the Mets because they're the next team they play or, or the, or whomever, whomever is next on their schedule, it's affecting all of them because realistically they've talked about canceling their game for another week uh, just until they get their players back. So first thoughts is, was the, the, the scene with Will Ferrell in, in wedding crash was what an idiot. And he kicks the thing, you know, talking about Vince Vaughn getting married. But so to me, that was my first response. Second response is there's a very serious problem with traveling city to city and can, being able to control f- 
again, I'm just throwing 50 people out there because I'm assuming with trainers and coaches and staff and managers and whomever else is traveling with the team. So controlling 50 players, and now you translate it over to the NFL, which is even more players, 70 players. Granted, they're only in a city for one night in theory because they fly in the day before, play, fly out that night, hopefully. But or whenever the series ends. No, I'm saying for the NFL, you fly oh, yeah, in yeah, one yeah. day, you fly in one day, play the game the next, etc. So it's less incentive to go out if you're an NFL player. But Major League Baseball, you know, again, you're you're in a place for three days, you're in a place for two days, or however many days you're in there, you are you can only go from the hotel to the ballpark, and even then, the hotel, you know, if you don't rent out the, rent out the whole thing, let's say you go down to the hotel restaurant, there could be patrons in that hotel restaurant that either are from the street or traveling from a hotbed area and now they're all in, they're all in this area you know they're they're affecting the restaurant they're affecting the, now they're affecting the teams so the traveling thing i think this is worst case scenario putting it on a map um you know I guess it's good to have the problem happen now so that the the major league baseball can come out and be like all right set rule like set of rules a clearly didn't work here's our revised rules here's what we're doing now here's rules b so in two weeks if we still have a, if, if there's no C, if major league baseball is done in two weeks i wouldn't be surprised if they say you know let's move to to arizona and florida and just play obviously florida is a hotbed but you know let's move to some hub area and just play that i wouldn't be surprised um but i think good it happened now but my first initial reaction was not good. Yeah, that's and probably bu- the bubble works. Yeah, that's a that was my big thing was they should have bubbled. I know that people said Mike Trout specifically was like I don't I don't want to be away from you know, the birth of my kid. I don't want to have all that stuff happen. But we're seeing the bubble works. NBA and NHL have had NHL's been there for only a few days, but they continuously have no no new cases. NBA has been there for two weeks, no new cases since getting in there, and that includes. Lou Williams going all the way out to fucking Atlanta for a funeral, and then he gets caught at the strip club because he wanted to get some wings that were named after him. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's you know, it sounds, it's good. It sounds weird saying that. It's good that they caught it now because, God forbid, they don't test positive until the, un, until the Orioles are already down there in Miami for it, and they've, been, they've played a game, they've played a game or two, or, they passed it to the Phillies, and you know, just because the Phillies are test negative now doesn't mean that there might these might be false negatives, um, meaning that they could somebody could test positive tomorrow. Clubhouse staff already did for the Phillies, and they passed it to New York, and then they're close enough to the Mets and all that sort of stuff. Now, forty percent of the league has people that have been exposed to instead of twenty of this Eastern League is what I mean. Um, but yeah, it kind of leads to a question though that we are not do- kind of it does leads to a question from a good friend of mine and a. Greg, a fellow Bostonian, my buddy Felipe Shaman, asks, do we think the season will end early? And if so, what are our bets? Bets being like how many days? Yeah, like what do we think is the uh, the over-under of how many days? Yeah, so that, I mean, it's tough because I was, you know, thinking about the bubble and like the NBA and NHL bubble people, like if you make it to the playoffs, you're in the bubble from now as we sit here on, on July 20th, what is it, 27th, 28th, 29th? 29th. Yeah, you're sitting here on July 29th until the middle to end of October in a ball in in one area. Yeah, and 
at some point you have to go nuts and crazy, which is why, you know, made, made, uh, the NBA did, you know, they made it Disney world so that they have golf courses, they have restaurants, they have bowling alleys, they have things that the, the players can do outside of just going to basketball and staying in the hotels. So it's like, I guess that's good. Um, that they chose a location that has those things, but I, I can I can understand why you know Mike Trout didn't want the bubble, but again, proof that he's just selfish and a terrible player. But um, yeah, so in terms of the season ending, Jordy, early, I'm gonna say these next two weeks are critical. If because that's the rule, right? It takes allegedly it takes two weeks for symptoms to actually show, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, you said that they went out in Atlanta and then. They showed cases three days later, four days later, whatever it may be. So clearly there's some discrepancy about the two-week thing. But the next two weeks are critical. If three other teams get it or, or God forbid, you know, somewhere or another, another team in, in the league gets affected, I think they have to call it quits. Because as it is right now, the Phillies, the Orioles, the Marlins, Yankees, whomever – they were already have played X amount of less games than everyone else, right? So then you're talking about, oh, does it win percentage, especially with the new rules that they came up with? Is it win percentage? Like, how are they determining who gets in to the playoffs? Because here are the Marlins, here are the Phillies, here are the Orioles, here are the Yankees playing less games, if they don't make them up, but playing less games than everyone else because of the Marlins sitting out for two weeks or the Marlins not playing for – I know you said Sunday, but that's still a week off that they haven't played. That's a week's worth of games. That's that's you can't make up a week's worth of game in a shortened sixty game schedule. So I think the next two weeks are critical. My gut is telling me no, they don't finish. My heart is telling me yes, because I want them to finish. So am I am I thinking with my heart? Or am I thinking rationally? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar boat. I think in my head it, it's hard to see them finishing, but in my heart I really want them to finish. I want to see this. I want to see this be successful to say, you know, they figured out something, but this is, you know, they always say the internet's undefeated, but coronavirus is currently undefeated aside from the bubble. Like that's the only, the only thing that we figured out. And there's a great video that I watched on Sportsnet of their director of health in Alberta, which is where Edmonton is, where the Western conference is bubbled. of talking about why bubbles work and all this sort of stuff. And so far so good. Um, but of seeing baseball, we, we talked about this from the jump of that. We were very wary of the traveling schedule. Uh, and to your point, there are, you know, there's only, only oh so many off days and the Phillies and Yankees, their four game ser- series was canceled or postponed. They could try to make it up or at least two of them up in Yankee stadium, maybe on Monday. And the Phillies just fly right down to Miami. Cause that's when their first game against the Marlins would be in Miami. Um, they're already doing, or you temporarily relocate the Marlins somewhere else like they're doing with Toronto because the in even right now Toronto is the home team but is playing at their opponent's stadium right now they're playing in Washington and the Nationals tweeted we're playing in and they put up the peace signs but it's supposed to be quotation marks Baltimore or uh, Buffalo excuse me tonight and that's what they're doing with the Phillies they're playing at Citizens Bank Park but it's the the Orioles or the shit I keep fucking everybody up the Blue Jays will be the home team in Philadelphia. So I don't know if they figure out how to do that, if there's going to be more double headers or what it is. Um, I almost want to think... Is, is Buffalo not ready yet? Why Why are they not playing in Buffalo? Yeah, I've tried to Google this. I haven't gotten a static reason for it. 
But I, I want to think they gotta they gotta extend this period of thirty man rosters longer than two weeks, right? Like, am I crazy in thinking that that like them just trying to keep as many like they're probably gonna extend it beyond the two weeks and, and maybe even longer than that just to keep fresh bodies or that sounds morbid, but to keep fresh players around both bullpen arms, starting pitching arms, bats on the bench. You got to figure that they're going to they're going to be more cautious about this now that there's been this kind of crazy stuff that happens. Yeah, and I, I think they realistically should keep it for the rest of the year and yeah. even maybe maybe expand it. I know it's harder to control that many people, but you know, That's the there's there's no minor league, right? So let's say let's say four guys on the team get coronavirus <clears throat> and that's it. All of a sudden, you have to find four guys who haven't been taking live pitching, who've been sitting at home on their couches watching the game, who who haven't been traveling with the team. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you have four guys being called up from not playing baseball. So now they're coming in cold and rusty, and your team is guaranteed down, right? Mike Trout blows his knee out tomorrow, can't play the rest of the season. You you, you can't call someone up to fix, to replace him, right? So... I, I feel like you're right. You have to keep the extended rosters just for that reason, just because there's no minor league. There's nothing – there's no feeder system, right? There's no – you know, I, the Red Sox called up one guy seven times, eight times last season. Called, went, he went up and down, up and down, up and down, just with, like, injuries and blah, blah, blah. It's just like you, know, you can't not – without a farm system, without a feeder system, I feel like it's impossible to – Yeah, they have the taxi squads, but I think it's better to keep them – because I think they're in their own quarantine. I don't know how every team is doing it, but – I think it's better to, and you're right, that it's harder to control them, but I feel like whatever rules Major League Baseball does come down with, whatever hammer they decide to lay, considering we're going to talk about Joe Kelly, but if they're going to fucking give him eight games, they're going to figure out some way to, to I don't know, I feel like they're going to extend it, extend it, Ross. Ah, Jesus, that was a lot of extending. Um, mm-hmm. But... Let's just transition. I think we've we can put a, a, a pin in this, see where it goes. To answer Felipe's question, head, yes, I think it's going to stop. Over, under, I would say, I'd say August 10th, we find out what's going on. Because I think you're right. It's two weeks that we see what happens. If it gets worse, then it's, I mean, they either shut down the East temporarily. Because that's the thing, is that the Central and West... Nothing has happened there. It seems like everybody's followed the rules. And that's what stinks for a team like the Braves, who did leave their top two catchers in Atlanta because they had flu-like symptoms. They didn't even test positive. But they left them in Atlanta to fly up to the, to New York to play the Mets and had to play guys out of their taxi squad and on, the, on their extended roster. So it stinks that like these guys going out ruined it for, for everybody else, even if it's just within this geographical super division. Yeah, no, I... I... That's you're right. I, I think the extended Russia should happen, but yeah, let's move on. Yeah, so we'll just roll great right into roll great right question. into yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question. Thank you, Felipe. Uh, and we'll just rip the bandaid off with another fan question. But we're going into Philly's talk, and a good buddy of mine, noted Mets fan and host own podcast, that'll leave a mark with Matt Marcus. Matt asks, a How do the Phillies lose a series to a team full of COVID positives? And B, does the fact that a team full of COVID positives uh, that can be productive and successfully and successful change your thoughts on anything? Uh, a, 
to answer that question, the Phillies have played the Marlins terribly the last couple of years. They can't figure it out. I even made the joke when they lost on Friday night. Aaron Ola start. He looks fine for a couple innings, then has a really bad inning. Um, you know, they, they cannot win Aaron Ola starts against the Marlins. Saturday, they looked okay. I drove by the ballpark, Greg, on my way home from playing golf. I just wanted to feel alive. Thought I could hear something. I couldn't hear anything. These walls are too tall. But there were fans walking around, and they actually, on the radio broadcast, said we can see guys through the center field fence. If you have a radio, start jumping around. And before they even finish the sentence, the guys in the outfield are actually er, that are behind the center field fence are actually screaming, and the radio announcers are going nuts. So they win that game, and we'll talk about it a little more in depth in a second. Then Sunday, Phillies go up 4-0. Vince Velasquez, who the all-time – Twitter jinx. Everybody on Philly's Twitter going, is Vince Velasquez good? Immediately blows the lead in the second inning. Uh, the Phillies, we mentioned it before, they end up losing. Uh, so, A, how do they lose it? Their bullpen, their middle relief is really, really, really scarce. They brought in Nick Pavetta on Sunday, and he didn't have it. Um, same thing after Aaron Ola left on Friday. Just really not great baseball from them. Um and yeah, I mean, they just haven't played him well, I think is the short answer. But B, does it change my thoughts on how players can perform when they test positive? I'm hoping, again, we're, we mentioned this a little bit on the top, we're not, not scientists here. Uh, but, you know, it takes around two weeks for the full symptoms to show. And we've seen what, keeping in Philly's talk, what Scott Kingery said, but Freddie, Freddie Freeman has said this more, and that went more viral that of how bad their experiences with the virus are. So we kind of going back to that two week period, we'll really have to see what these Marlins players say of how bad it was. Cause I'm sure we will get a full dossier of how bad or terrible, you know, insert levels of terrible in, in this, um, you know, everything got. So I, I don't think it changed a ton of what I think people with that test positive for it. And I'm not and and I think either way it does not, it does not change my mind. If you test positive, you should not interact with anybody for the rest of that day and go quarantine yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I like the answer. Can you, can you, can you remind me the part B again? Uh, part B was, and I'll, I'll just read it verbatim. Uh, B does the fact that a team full of COVID positives that can be productive and successful, change your thoughts on anything. Are they, have they been productive and successful because they they had one good day and yeah that's so what, I what? It, it was the day it was the day that a couple guys tested positive and, right. and, and then the next day a lot more of them tested positive right and two do we know what test positive means because so many people have come out and said they're asymptomatic or oh you know I only had you know I only had a high fever I didn't have the ventilator you know what I mean there's there's different stages it sounds like it affects different people and you would not to be that guy but you would assume professional athletes would be not not to be glib about it yeah yeah you would assume professional athletes would be affected the least like they're all in theory in in good health and their lungs are good knock on wood hopefully so they would have lesser symptoms or they they would have you know let's say there's different classes of symptoms they would have the lowest class or whatever so um you know, I just, and again, what is, what is a positive test right now? Because originally they said two weeks and now that, you know, now that's, if you have a fever, you have coronavirus, you know, like what is, 
what is the what does it mean to have a positive test i guess is, is the is the larger thing um is it just you have the the strain in you they can tell you have it somehow inside of you like what is what does a positive test mean um at this stage in the game so to me i i, I it doesn't change I, I still think you get test positive you need to stay away because exactly. like, as we saw there's possibility of, of of not only affecting the guy who cleans the, the locker room after you but the other team and and your teammates and now we have all these teams who just haven't played games so yeah well two two teams the yankees and we didn't really mention this with the fallout of it we mentioned the phillies have this double header now coming up against the the blue jays no. in buffalo in philadelphia um but they canceled their series the yankees and orioles had their had an impromptu series in baltimore uh i believe it's in baltimore but an impromptu series to make up for the you know for them so that they're not sitting idly by but going back to a matt's question in this but i don't i don't think i don't think it counted because both teams are are still record wise still two and one and and so they've only played two games or three games miami's only played three games and philadelphia according to espn they've only played three games as well so yeah there's there's four teams right now and again doesn't include you know they play the Mets, the the Marlins supposed to play the Mets next, and whomever else the, this coming weekend. So, so all those teams are just so those four teams behind. Then it's gonna be five, and then it's so gonna be six. Greg, to finish, to, so you're right that they're still behind. The the impromptu series started tonight between the Yankees and the Orioles, so they're playing two games. The Yankees and Orioles will only have lost two games. The Phil, you're right. The Phillies and Marlins, the Phillies lost four games. That's you know they're gonna have to make those up somewhere. The Yankees and Phillies have Monday off. Who knows if they say. We're just going to do this now. We're going to play it either in Yankee Stadium because the Yankees are home to play the Red Sox or in Philadelphia because they're home at the Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays. They could do that. They have not announced it. I feel like they would have already, so that's probably out of the picture. But that's that's the idea of it. Um, but that's a really good point. That they, they're falling back, and they have to figure that out. There was a precedent. They talked about this a little bit on ESPN on Tuesday night of that in some series with – or in some seasons, excuse me, where there have been strikes or, you know, reasons that the season's been shortened they have done winning percentage rather than just games back so there is that total possibility if they do get through the 65 days of the 60 game season and they don't want to push back the world series which you know i mean crazier things have happened maybe they decide you know what fuck it we're gonna play this in san diego or something like the fucking uh what's his name the um boris the scott boris world series idea but who knows? I mean, it, it's there's a lot of logistics that need to be figured out. But do you have any other thoughts before we go back to the the first part of Matt's question? Nope. All right. So kind of some first part of Matt's question: Why why did they go in? Um, they I joked around. They lose. They always lose to the Marlins. So they had an under 500 record against them last year, Greg. So that's where my immediate they always lose to them comes from. Um, Friday night they have this this game against the the marlins opening night where aaron nola looks okay and then has a really bad inning the bullpen comes in cannot pick it up for for nola at all in the sixth inning where he lets up a bunch of runners um raymond raymond russo yeah he's hurt um he's not playing you need him he's not really a middle relief guy he's more of a late relief guy but so Let's have a bunch of he gets a bunch of earned runs. Nola gets slapped with four four earned runs. R- Rosso can't really figure it out. 
Um, and they just the, the Phillies just hemorrhage a ton of different runs to the Marlins. Uh, really in that sixth inning, but they can't really come up with it. They only had five hits on the night, um, and and had a they really struggled. They only walked three times. They get a lot of base runners. D.D. Gregorius hits a homer in his first game as a Philly, so that's all good and dandy. Saturday afternoon, I mentioned it, drove by the park and everything. Uh, Phillies end up winning that one 7-1. D.D. hits another home run, and at the time is the only Philly that can actually seemingly get on base. Um, but I texted you when it happened, Bryce Harper – his first hit of the year was a bunt down the baseline, but I'm skipping a few things here. The big reason why the Phillies lost to the Marlins, and I'm spoiling Sunday, is Miguel Rojas. He's a Philly killer. He was batting 700 by the time the weekend ended. On Sunday, Greg, he was a single away from the cycle. Uh, he tore him up on tore up. He had the only RBI on Saturday for the, for the Marlins. And then local hero Phil Goslin, who... Had his, you know, has had stints with the Phillies. He was drafted by the by the Braves way, way back. I think ten years ago, actually, um, maybe even longer than that. But uh, he had two home runs for the Phillies on Saturday. GT Romuto hits a home run right after Bryce Harper bunts down the down the first baseline. So hopes are going high going into Sunday. I mentioned it. Bryce Harper hit his first home run of the year. They're up four nothing. Velasquez immediately lets up four. The Phillies actually take back the lead, and then. After a good third inning by Velasquez, he really, really stunk up the place and gets pulled not even through the fourth inning and or only through three innings, excuse me. And Cole Irvin comes in, can't really get anything done. Um, yeah, and, the, and it was just this large hole for the Phillies to try to dig out of. So it's it's frustrating. I mean, their, their middle relief really is lacking, and they bring in Pavetta eventually – and he lets up a bunch of runs. He was a starter last year. And I don't know if his confidence is just completely shook from being reduced to this bullpen role. Them signing Zach Wheeler forced somebody to go back there. A lot of people thought maybe Vince Velasquez could do it. He looked decent in, in summer camp. And then he had that good start in the, the tune-up game against the Yankees. So I think that's why he got the nod for game three. But, yeah, I mean, pitching, we mentioned it last week when we talked about the Phillies that pitching is going to be their big weakness. And I guess the other spin zone of the Phillies having, you know, effectively six days off is that you can go right back to Nola Wheeler for those first two starts. Wheeler got a, you know, ends up getting the win in his first game as a Philly. Um, so you can have them pitch the double header on Saturday, but then Sunday becomes a huge question of what do you do three? Do you throw Arietta so that he finally gets his season debut? Do you throw Arietta as the back half of a, of the double header um, it'll be very interesting to see what Joe Girardi does. And really, I can't give a grade to the first week of the Philly season and to Joe Girardi's first week as Philly's manager because of, you know, the Marlins COVID strike. But you know, yeah, I mean, stuff. I think if I think if we're learning anything, it's it's because the Red Sox have the same problem. It's no man, like good manager, bad manager. Like, it's not the manager's fault. The team doesn't have pitching. Like, yeah. You guys, the Phillies don't have a starting pitcher. They don't have a. Well, they, they don't have, have starting pitchers. They just don't have middle relievers. They don't have good starting pitchers. They don't have. They don't have an ace. They don't have. Nola and Wheeler were. Nola, the bad inning aside, Nola is normally good. Wheeler normally had a good, good start. Normally good, but not an ace. Wheeler is not an ace. I respectfully disagree about Nola. Wheeler, I could buy it too. Nola had one good year. Nola him. had one good year. He's had multiple good years. <laughs> anyway, um, 
But the point is, the point is that the point is that okay, the Red Sox don't have an ace. You know, the Red Sox don't have a bullpen, and they don't have a closer. And the Phillies don't have an ace. They don't have a bullpen. They don't have a closer. So it's managing. The, managing does nothing if the team can't get guys out, right? So if it's the Red Sox losing two out of three to the Orioles and then losing two out of three to the Mets and and playing a third game right now and I don't hopefully they win one but uh, losing they, the Red Sox lost four straight games after winning the first game of the season but you know it's it's the same issue it's it's pitching it's pitching it's pitching so yes part A of the question is it frustrating losing to the Marlins is it frustrating losing to the Orioles one thousand percent but when your team doesn't have pitching the only the only hope that we had as Red Sox fan and Phillies fan is that the offense would win games seven to six or eight to seven or whatever it may be, one more than the other team. Uh, and clearly, I don't know about the Phillies offense, but the Red Sox offense is clearly not producing uh, with Andrew Benatendi batting a whopping point zero five six. So. So we'll move to the Red Sox talk in a second. The Phillies, I know No, that you're... was it. That's all I need to say. Oh, that's all you want to say about the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, the Phillies, I mean, on a good night, Nola's giving you six strong innings, a quality start and everything. Same thing with, with I mean, hopefully with Wheeler, and it's what you saw on Saturday, especially with how much they're paying him and all that. You know, the, the legally obligated things to say about how much you're paying a pitcher. But, um, you know, what? Really, seeing what Arietta does, that's going to be huge. Because you mentioned it. He's, well, you mentioned it just in a general sense. But the last couple of years, he's clearly been hurt. He's been shut down in the first two years of his contract. Who knows? It's contract year for him. Maybe he comes out and he slides out. But it's all it all remains to be seen. So it's, I'm just excited to see them come back if, if they do, if they, you know, assuming they do come back Saturday for this doubleheader, how they go through that way. And, and I mean, the DH clearly is, you know, that's where it comes into use is that you don't have to use a lot of guys off the bench by having to do pinch hitters and everything. So the double header might be a little more, a little less rather of a burden for the Phillies. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be excited, but you, you have nothing else to say about the Red Sox. You're not excited about, is there anything else to be excited about? I mean, you know, you had a good night. You had a good first day. You know, that's exciting. It, yeah. They had one good game. If you take out that game, they, literally have scored three runs and uh, their starting pitching ERA is seven points something and their relief pitch or five points something the relief pitching is seven points something or that's flipped um, it's just miserable miserable I you know it's so frustrating watching a team that gives up hit after hit run after run and then the offense goes up and strike out looking and oh fly out here and they can't run the base path. And Andrew Benintendi, who you traded Moogie Betts because you thought Andrew Benintendi would be a comparable, not comparable, but you thought he would be fine. Uh, obviously not the same, but you thought that he had a chance of, of providing enough production at the top of your lineup that something would happen. He's literally has one hit and the entire season he plays every he's played every game ever one one hit 
and JD Martinez hasn't been great. The only bright spot was Jackie Bradley Jr., center fielder, making some great diving catches, batting 400. He's normally at 250, 260, not even that high, 220, 220, 210 kind of guy. But uh, he goes on random months where he just pops off, and, and it seems like this is it. Obviously, he's over two tonight as I speak, but um, that's – I guess the only thing you could be happy about Evaldi, the guy, their starting pitcher from opening night, played great. Their pitch great the first night against the Mets, two runs in five innings. So, you know, not good, not great, but it's uh, yeah, not nothing, nothing good, nothing gets me excited about this team right now, Jordy. All right, fair enough. Uh, you know, I've uh, done decently well with Jose Peraza. On my daily fantasy teams, that's been nice. Yeah, two ninety two over three today, but um, he. It's interesting because the bottom half of the order, him and Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, oh, and Xander Bogarts got hurt, so that's another awesome thing for the Red Sox. Sick life, but Peraza and, ja- and Bradley Jr. really have been the guys who have been producing runs for the team, so. Glad Mitch Moreland's that. having a good night, it looks like. I'm looking at the box score now. Yeah, Mitch Moreland, but he it's they like they play him every other game. They, they they don't think he can hit lefty pitchers and they they have him trade off with Michael Chavis, who was a rookie last year, had a couple home runs and Moreland like he should be in the lineup every day, but he's not for whatever reason. So it's frustrating. Um very frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, you know. Well uh We'll see where we're at a week from now when I have more Phillies games to talk about, and hopefully the Red Sox have turned around a little bit. Um, yeah, I, hope, I mean, I we mentioned Bryce. a little bit with not moving not moving guys around the bases. The Phillies had the bases loaded twice in the later innings uh, in that Sunday loss to the Marlins. Very frustrating. Uh, so I know it. Um, but anyway, let's get to the big story. The story from Tuesday night. The big series. The Dodgers and the Astros. The big rematch after the Astros got caught cheating. The asterisk scandal. The trash cans. Joe Kelly. Now an L.A. Dodger. Formerly a Boston Red Sox. Greg, you have many titles on this podcast. You're now the the podcast Joe Joe Kelly expert. Do you want to break this down for us? What happened? So it's a 3-0 pitch. First to Bregman. Three balls, zero strikes. He's like, fuck it. I'm not coming back. Beams up. Joe Kelly's a guy who throws 100 miles an hour without even getting out of bed, and he probably weighs 112 pounds. Throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball just a bit outside behind Bregman. Almost hits him, blah, blah, blah. Right? No sweat. He didn't hit him. Guy takes his base. Ball comes back to the catcher, so it's just first and second. No one advances. All good. And then, Jordy, who comes up next? Carlos Correa. And that was a cue for you to finish the story since you're the storyteller of the group. Ironic, because you used to make fun of how I told stories. But. Never. I would never make fun of you. How dare you? Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like you. And a lot of kids we went to high school with. And so Joe Kelly, you mentioned it, throws 100 miles an hour, never knows, knows where the pitch is going. You may remember 
that he had the he was trying to work on was it a change up he was trying to learn how to pit, throw in quarantine and he broke his window that was that was the famous video yeah but i mean joe kelly more famously was is the guy who while with red Sox, would beam yankee pitcher yankee hitter and and machado after machado did his dirty slide that ruined pedroy's career and he was he was the enforcer type for the red Sox for all those years so it's his role. That's what he's. That's what he's known for. And a guy who throws a hundred as an enforcer is ultimate gotta, locker room guy. He's taking. Gotta, he's taking the hockey mentality to baseball. You kind of got to respect it because again, as an enforcer who throws a hundred miles an hour, you kind of got to respect it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean this guy is literally fucking. He's wild thing. He's Rick Vaughn. If like, if Major League was already rated R, but if like there was fighting in that movie, they wanted to make silly mix Major League and Slapshot together. You would get Joe Kelly. That's basically what it is. You mix Paul Newman yeah. and fucking Charlie Sheen. That's Joe Kelly. And Joe Kelly wears the glasses. He wears and, the glasses. Yeah, he has a little bit of that underbite. He's from he's from California, so he's got the whole thing going on. But though he loves he loves the the crawfish boils. But we're burying the lead. So he throws this nasty pitch to end the inning. No, first he throws. It was the first pitch or the second pitch of the bat. He throws it. Oh yeah, you're high right. and yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. High and tight, just barely hit misses him, and then the and then he eventually strikes out Correa on a ball in the dirt, and Jordy and Joe Kelly walks off the mound and gives the basically nana a boo boo at Correa, <laughs> gives him the lip, gives him the lip to patty face. And Correa's not having it. And if, they, you watch, if you watch the replay, Correa very much so had a pouty face on. because he's Oh, it's great. The gifts are incredible. Bitch. Sorry, There's multiple gifts of how this – you can take away from this. And they, you can tell they're still chatting of all this shit, and, and Correa's not happy. The bench is clear. And similarly to how we saw the Pirates manager have to put on his mask and be socially distant to argue with the umpire – there are no punches thrown. The dugouts are basically just socially distantly, although still some people are still within six feet of each other, but can just can, you know, a big blob of players yelling at each other. And Greg, it brings the question from our friend, Joe Solly is Joe Kelly, the most loved baseball player right now. And I think the answer undoubtedly is yes. So, I don't know if I don't know if it's undoubtedly a yes. Okay. I'm sure. I mean, I get that. "Quote unquote," people are angry, and you know, baseball purists, you know, the the guys who still want to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, you know, those those. Oh, he ruined the integrity of the game, or the Astros ruined the integrity of the game. Blah blah blah. blah. Show me a team that doesn't sign steal. Sign stealing happens in Little League Baseball. Sign steal, sign stealing happens literally. And this is, I know, oh, he's a Red Sox fan. They got caught with the Apple Watch and blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's a Patriot it's the, fan. It's the electronic that it, I agree with you of the, if you can figure out the cadence and the, like the, if the catcher, whatever they're doing to, you know, whatever their cadence is, whatever symbols, numbers, whatever. Same thing with I the mean, third base coach. If they're, if you can tell as the second baseman, that they're telling a batter to either 
fake a bunt so that they or fake swing and miss while while a guy is swinging. Like that's good for you. That's gamesmanship. It's the electronic part that so many people have problems with. The well, buzzers also, that were allegedly in their shirts, all that sort of stuff. Well, it's also like Aaron Judge, who on national TV on second base was allegedly tipping pitches to Giancarlo before Giancarlo absolutely tattooed a ball and took it for his first home run of the season. So, again, you're right. Maybe electronics, but the electronics, to me, it's just working harder or working smarter, not harder, right? Like, you got to use the technology that's available to you. And, and again, science stealing is, is a tale as old as time, if you will, in Major League Baseball. Now, I obviously I don't think it's right. Obviously, I'm not an advocate for it. But I guess the point is, if, if, every, if, if there are two or three teams that are doing it, I guarantee you there are – I guarantee you every single team is doing it in some way, shape, or form. That's the thing, and, and that was what that was a lot of people's takes, not even just you as the Red Sox fan, of that this probably isn't just an Astros issue. There's probably a, a systemic norm to it around Major League Baseball, which, again, we don't know. I could be saying this, and the Phillies could be doing it. You with all the stuff with the Red Sox, Alex Cora lost his job. The Mets, Carlos Beltran, didn't even... Mm. Um, Alex, he, Cor, did, Alex Cor didn't lose his job. He resigned. He resigned, excuse me. Uh, Carlos Beltran with the Mets, he didn't even manage a game. And he either resigned or got fired. Either way, he's not the manager. But like, there was a trickle-down effect of all of this. And you're right, there could be something... There could be, very possibly could be, stuff going on everywhere else. But the Astros are, are the ones who got caught. And not to completely change gears, but you as a... You as a Patriots fan of you know the filming, Spygate, anything, Deflategate, as you've defended numerous times in the most recent weeks. But there's stuff that happens to all these other teams, and you get branded as those guys. And I feel like that's what just happened to the Astros. And they got to take their lumps for it because they got openly caught and all this sort of stuff. And if it's Joe Kelly going to the bat, who, like you mentioned, he got into fights when he's a Red Sox. He, even right off the jump when he got to the Dodgers last year, kind of already going off the deep end, doing the, the crawfish boil for the team. He was hurt to start the year. I, I don't think the two were related. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It. I think it's great that there's some livelihood to it. We weren't sure what exactly we would see in terms of passion through everything. With it being bubbles and or not bubbles, but with there being all the different COVID rules that they couldn't spit, they couldn't do this. They have each pitcher has to have their own Rossum bag. They have to have the wet towels instead of licking their fingers. The pitchers do. So seeing something like this at least shows some sign of baseball getting back to the to whatever the new normal has become. And I feel like this goes beyond the unwritten rules and and let the kids play and all that sort of stuff. This, this, I feel like goes beyond that. Yeah, and back to the original question, is is he the most loved man in baseball right now? I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he has always been a, uh, a character on social media that people love because of the glasses, because of the fieriness, because he fought with the shitty Yankees and, and you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, this season, I don't, you know, I'm sure when the Yankees play the Astros, if they end up playing them, unless it's 
a playoff series, there will be retribution, whether this year or next year or whatever. But, you know, I can't see a Yankee fan being happy or, or, or thinking that Joe Kelly is now their favorite player in baseball because of just because the antics he pulled uh, with the Red Sox against those same Yankees. So the original question, I, I'm going to say no, but to me, um, I like your point that, you know, it's a sense of normalcy, obviously pretty sure there's a rule that they, that specifically says you're not allowed to fight for the exact reason of social distancing. But uh, I think it's funny that, you know, we're in a time now where that has to be a rule, but uh, it's worth noting. Joe Sale is a Red Sox fan. So I feel like that's where he's also coming from. You think he's in your similar boat, Greg. Yeah, good. So he gets it. Exactly. But but yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think you're right. I think it is a little sense of normalcy, but I also believe uh, wholeheartedly that uh, every single team is doing this in some way, shape or form. Yeah. There's probably something like that out there. Now, Greg, before we move on to awards and everything, are there any other surprises that you've seen out of the first week? No, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest surprise to me, because, you know, we're one week in, there's nothing, you know, you can't really tell anything. The biggest surprise to me is the fact that we had 12 Marlins players or whatever the 18 Marlins players, whatever the final number is, test positive for coronavirus. That one team got affected. I I honestly, maybe it was naive of me, but I honestly thought it'd be one or two guys. I didn't even put together that it would spread like wildfire through a clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy that that we aren't. We don't need to dive back into the corona stuff. That's definitely one of the bigger surprises. I just meant in terms of an on the field product, like how well the Padres are seemingly doing, or even the Rockies. Um, those are probably my two biggest surprises. It's hard to say hot team of the week because every team has only completed five. A couple teams played day games today, so the Diamondbacks are through six games. But it's hard to really put an idea of that out there. But No, because at the end of the day, we talked about the Rockies always being a team that starts hot, right? Or, or but they only the let hot. up nine runs. And granted, they have played all away games. They have not gone to Coors Field. But they're pitching. We were like, oh, is this is this going to be – how is what is this going to look like? You know, right? And they've only let up nine runs in five games. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox let up nine runs every day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's also wild too. Going back to the Padres, they're four and one, but they walk more than any other team in the league. And I read this today of in their first five games of the season how quickly they're getting starting pitchers out there. You talked about this with what the Phillies need to try to do with the Red Sox need to try to do with their starting pitching and with bad bullpens. And just the fact that bullpen arms are going to be a huge premium through this year. We've said this a million times. It's a 60 game season, you know, just grind down every cliche in the book. But that being said, if you're getting your starters out early in this long season, and maybe because of the Marlins, they do extend the thirty, you know, the thirty-man roster, the deadline to cut it down to twenty-eight, another two weeks. May, you know, maybe that helps. But if they're really 
staying that disciplined, I mean, that's a huge advantage. So I, I, I wanted to bring them up and, and see what your thoughts were around that. Cause like the twins being three and one, I wouldn't say is totally shocking. Even the Rays being three and one, I'm not you know, completely baffled by that concept because they've yeah, played four and you know, one. Or, yeah, four and one, excuse me. Although they've done it against the Braves, which is huge. They're losing right now. So they might be four and two by the time people are listening to this podcast, but you know, I'm not too shocked by that. True, and and that's a good point. And it's tough because the Padres are, you know, like we talked about this before, but they're shelling money out, and they got Hosmer, and they got Machado, and they have, you know, they've had pitching prospects forever. It seems like, and they've, I don't know, they're that team that, with a couple bats in their lineup people going into last year at high expectations for them, right? So this year you can only imagine how those expectations have grown, right? So uh, another nod for the Red Sox fans out there, but I mean, I'm I'm a Don Arcillo fan and Don is the play-by-play guy for the, for the uh, Dodgers now. And uh, I follow him on Twitter and, and not that I like the, Sorry, the I said Padres. Sorry, I meant Padres. Not that I like the Padres because of of this, but it's a reason to root for the Padres so we get more Don Arcillo in our lives. Um, and if you need more on that story, anyone, please reach out, DM the show account, and Jordy will get the question to me, and I will gladly tell you the story about the Pizzagate and uh, the chemistry that Don Arcillo and, and Jerry Remy have. But we get back. We're getting off the point, Jordy. Um Hot team, cool team of the week. We kind of sure, just you, covered it. Yeah, you can give it to the Padres, but um, cold team of the week, thousand percent Red Sox. They suck. Maybe the Nationals. They also suck. Yeah, I was going to uh, say the Nationals. Um, just a kind of a weirdly disappointing start. Maybe the Reds, although they're they scored a fuck ton of runs tonight. They're currently up twelve five on the on the Cubs. Um, but regardless. Uh, we'll have a better idea next week of doing hot and cold team of the week. Those are usually the first two awards we hand out. But Greg, let's go right into uh, the top players, the top hitters of the week. Uh, we'll start in the AL. Greg, who do you like in the American League for hot player of the week? The American League hot player of the week. Come on down. I kind of want to say Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I was. I was. He was on my short list. He's had an awesome yeah. start. Uh, ten RBIs, which is for the Minnesota Twins. He's he's typically their DH. Ten RBIs, batting four twelve, um, scored seven runs himself, uh, three home runs. So just having a a solid week. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if we're gonna go on pace, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> they've only played five games or four games at the, at the time of this recording. Excuse me. Only played four games, which does divide out from sixty. So, Greg, he's on pace for one hundred and fifty RBIs. I mean, nobody thought it could be done in the sixty-game season, Greg. No this one thought that times. could be done. No one thought it could be done. Back, but Back no, I like the pick. I almost, I almost grabbed him. Um, so, I'm going to go with Michael Brantley with the Astros. Um, good start, eight for nineteen, four twenty-one batting average. Um, also a high RBI count, which is why I picked him six ribbies, one Homer. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we mentioned a little bit with, 
what's happened like with it. the Astros, but they're you don't like it. They're three and two to start the year. Uh, currently playing the Dodgers, it's one one in the eighth inning. But you know, um, I like you know I like the start, and I think that no, it's a great start. You're right. Yeah, I think that uh, regardless of whatever they're now not doing, you know, they're still hit that well and you can say oh it's all a minute made park and all this sort of stuff but you know exciting to see uh nationally you want me to start sure my honorable mention um oh good call without being rudely cut off but whit merrifield kansas city royals oh great call great call thank you uh thank you thank you seven rbis two home runs two doubles um pretty good start for him so yeah, that, that, that's a smart play, Greg. Um, Thank you. All right, NL, I'll start. I'm going to go with Miguel, Miguel Rojas. Absolutely torched the Phillies. Seven for ten over the series. Mentioned ah. he was a single away from the from the cycle. I know we talked about it a little bit with the, the Phillies talk, uh, but really had an incredible, incredible run. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with him. Do you feel right giving it to a guy who played in three games? All right, if we're gonna if we're gonna say oh the Marlins and they only played three games, then I'm gonna go with Dansby Swanson, a guy who had an awesome week, batting over batting over three hundred. Um, and I guess the only knock you could give him is that he didn't draw a walk and struck out eight times, but still seven RBI um, and all that good stuff. So it's. You know, good for him. Good, you know, the Braves slow start to the year, but they'll, I mean, they'll be fine, I think. Great pick, Jordy. Great pick. Uh, I'm going to go Eric Hosmer. Oh, awesome pick. Batting 500. <laughs> five, five for 10. Do we know uh, what happened to him, though? He He's not in the lineup for tonight. Is he hurt? No, I mean, I assume because he's only, he's only had 10 at-bats, I assume something happened to him, but... Um, Seven RBIs. He had one game where he popped off for a bunch, I believe. But um, oh, he's just sick. Apparently, it's illness is what he's out with. Nice. And um, honorable mention. I'm gonna throw a bone to to your guy, Jared, Colin Moran, Pittsburgh Pirates. I refuse to call him what Jared calls him. <laughs> uh, you love the nicknames. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Over or, to the. Three home runs, this guy, uh, in, in, in a week. So that's pretty good when you get three home runs in a week. So, good right, start. So, so that was our our Roy Hobbs player of the week. We now go over to the Billy Chapel pitcher of the week. Of course, named after Billy Chapel from For Love of the Game, great baseball movie. Greg, I'll let you start. We'll start in the National League. NL pitcher of the week for you. National League. Kyle, Ken- Kyle Hendricks. Love it. Although he did not, have a good, did not have a good start tonight. Well, I guess we'll call this next week. For the past week, uh, complete game shutout, 9K, zero earned. Good start for him. Good start to the season. And, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Jordy? I like it. And, uh, He's technically he's the only one to pitch a nine inning complete game, but Max Scherzer Greg got called for a complete or gets the complete game against the Yankees because he pitched the entire game even though it got called in the middle of 
a rainout. For me, though, my NL pitcher of the week, I'm going to go with the Bauer outage. Trevor Bauer, uh, just a dominant, dominant first start. 13 Ks over 6.1 innings. Um, only run that he let up was a home run. So, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, I really like that. I mean, he only let up one other hit. Opponent's batting average under 100. You know, the Reds, they're a team who, uh, you know, desperately need something to, to start to fall their way. They're up 12-5. We mentioned it a little earlier on the show. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like what he's what he's bringing to the table. I mean, he's had that, that attitude about the Astros, and he's not even going to play him once this year. So I feel like he's got some fuel in his fire. Good choice, Jordy. Good choice. Um, Bullpen yeah, guy. You want to go? Or do you have an honorable mention? I was bullpen guy, Seth Lugo from the Mets. Uh, 3.1 innings, one win, seven Ks, 1.17 ERA. And I think the more impressive part for me would be – oh, sorry, only four – sorry. Wrong stats, way off. Hey. Uh, uh, 3.1 innings, he has a win, a save, four Ks, zero earned, .30 whip. Um, so for me, Seth Lugo, New York Mets, just cause 3.1 innings, you have a win and a save pretty good. And I, I think that might be the last time a Mets pitcher gets a Mets relief pitcher, I should say. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, uh, that's going to be mine with the American league, but my NL pitcher of the week. Oh, did I, did I do it wrong? No, 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 no. My, I'm, we're in the American League, and you're absolutely right to do that. Um, I'm just, National I'm League. saying you, uh, National League, yeah. Everything's all, the squares all make a circle. Um, it's a circle. But anyway, my National League reliever of the week, I'm going to go, hmm. You picked a Met, so I don't want to do that as well. I'll go, um... I'll go with the with uh, Matt Stram of the Padres. He has two holds, um, no Ks, but also only one hit allowed. So, you know, he's doing his job so far. One of those was a four-out hold, which in the era of having to face three batters, you know, that's it's you know pretty busy. So, you know. Good Trace, for him. Jordy. Yeah, you know. Um, but I'll go first with the uh, the American League for bullpen guys of the week. Uh, and mine is one that we should have mentioned with surprises. Member of the Tigers, Joe Jimenez. Three appearances, three saves, two Ks, and one earned run. Uh, Tigers are four and two. We did not mention this before. Granted, they're playing the Pirates right now, or they were earlier at the start of the season. They've been playing the Royals this week. Um, so, you know, say, say what you will of all of that, but the other four and two, their run differential says they should be way under 500 cause they're they negative nine run differential. Uh, same as the white Sox, a little bit disappointing of a, uh, a start for them, but you know, good for the tigers. They figured it out. Yeah. And, and to have three saves in, in a week is very impressive, especially in, in like, a, you know, not even just in the 60-game season. I mean, three saves in a week is pretty solid. I know yeah. that says something, too, about the rest of your pitching staff and your offense, especially when you you have a negative nine run differential over that course of time. So, 
good for you. I mean, that was kind of the point I was getting after. So thank you for uh, taking taking the alley-oop and slamming it home, Greg. Jordy, anything for you, boss. Anything for you. The Red Sox just took the lead. Four to three. Heyo. Oh, man. What a what a world. Um, the My American League. I'm going to go Oliver Drake. Uh, two saves in two appearances for the Rays. Two for two. Zero earned, zero whip. Um, you know, he, it's, again, two saves in a week and going two for two is, is, is pretty good. So um, zero runs, zero earned, like I said. So good for him. No, I like it a lot. Um, rookies, Greg. What do you think about the rookies so far? Who do you got for uh... God. Jesus. I'm nowhere near that. Ready for that? Yeah, we'll we'll skip it then because I can't find rookies either on Yahoo. So, Greg, new cut, new segment cut, alert. Cut, cut, cut. That's <laughs> ah, fine. They can hear us uh, us messing around. Greg, new segment alert. We're gonna go with the Mike Clark fantasy draft, named after my buddy Mike Clark, who did the NL West preview with us this past week. Um. Greg, basically what the the lowdown is going to be is that we're going to pick players based on their, you know, who they're playing, all this sort of stuff. As we come to next week, we'll introduce who, you know, who won. We're going to figure out how that's going to be determined. I think we might just do categories, but we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, The idea, though, is we're going to do one of each position. So one starter, one reliever for pitching, and then one of every position player. And we're going to pick that way. And, you know, if we have guests on, we can have them be included in the fantasy draft. And this should be a lot of fun. Greg, are you excited to have a mini draft? Um, yes. Do you want the first pick? I think we should go position by position. So we should go position by position. I agree with let's that. Let's snake, snake the picks. Jordy, what position are we going first? And that will determine what... What if I want first or second? We'll go starters first. Jordy, we're starting starting pitching. You get the first pick. I'll take second. Pick. All right, starting pitching. I will take for my first guy. I'm gonna go with the guy I picked for hot hot pitcher of the week. I'm gonna go with Trevor Bauer. He's starting on Thursday night, July 31st. So hopefully, he gets a second start before we go back. Uh, but they're playing the Tigers. I feel like if he had 13 strikeouts in his first game, Tigers, as hot as they're playing, uh, you know, the old saying is water always finds its way to the mean. So I feel like he he may help them find their way down there. I could be dead wrong. He could be uh, due to find his own mean. He has one, you know, 1.42 ERA through one game, <laughs> just that one run. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he lets up a bunch of them there, but. I feel I feel pretty confident that way. I'm gonna go Shane Bieber. Oh, I like that. Cleveland Indians. Uh, he had six. Uh, sorry, one start so far. 14 strikeouts and in six innings and zero on runs. So, um, hopefully, if he can get even a, a a hair of close to that amount of production, I think uh, my starting pitcher might win this week, Jordy. What is the next position so I can make my pick? We're doing we're doing relievers. So this is basically who we think is either going to get the most saves or most holds. 
This might be a one we have to debate on how we judge it. If you pick a middle relief guy and I pick a closer, but I, you know, we'll figure it out. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going Oliver Drake, Tampa Bay relief pitcher, the guy I picked for my hot, hot, hot guy of the week. Ah, all right. Two only two appearances last week. Clearly, they're they're defining him in the starter role. A team that's four and one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna and the Rays are a bullpen team and and are will remain hot, especially because uh, pretty sure they play the Red Sox next week on Tuesday or Tuesday Wednesday. So uh, Oliver Drake. So for my AL reliever of the week, I'm gonna take Brad Hand of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, off to a good start, the Indians are four and two. Uh, they're playing the Reds next week, and they're playing the the Twins this weekend. So I feel like those series, is, they might not do so well against the Twins. They're up in Minnesota. But who knows? They're off to a hot start. So if they have an opportunity to get after it early, they're high-scoring games. Uh, they, they might really have an opportunity to... Uh, to keep it close and, and Brad Hand gets a couple saves or maybe gets a couple appearances to limit some damage late in games, maybe let their hot start of an offense to uh, you know get him some wins. So, I don't know. I feel a little optimistic about them. Um, I almost went with Kirby Yates, but they're in Colorado. So, who the hell knows what the Rockies are going to do when they get home? So, that's why I didn't go with them or with him. But that's my pick. I like for, it, Jordy. For um, for reliever, not even just AL, just reliever. Period. Yes. Uh, catcher, you're up. Uh, catcher, I'm gonna go JT Romito. Phillies are back. He had a, an okay first series, but had a bomb when he really got it. When he really connected it. Uh, best catcher in baseball. I'm going with him. Best catcher in baseball, batting 154 so far to start the season. Yeah, an unreal defensive catcher. I know that doesn't count for this, but still, best catcher in baseball. <laughs> you know, I'm torn here. Um, you know, just because you took a Philly, I'm going to take Christian Vasquez. There it is. This is what we want. <laughs> All right. First baseman. Um, this is tough. I, I know you're, well. Hmm. Who do you think mm-hmm. I'm taking? Who are you trying to game me on? It's a great question. <laughs> just that you're probably going with some Marlin player, but um, that would be that would be total reverse jinx me and picking a Marlin just to like be like, oh, the Phillies won because I picked a Marlin. But then you're wrong in thinking that. I want to say Hosmer, but he's coming off being sick, and who knows? So I'm gonna go Joey Votto, Cincinnati Reds. Ooh, I like that. Mentioned it with Bauer. They're playing the Tigers. Water finds its level. Mike Mike Fulmer, <laughs> the scheduled starter, which I think is complete bullshit because it says Mike Fulton Evans is supposed to start for the Braves on Friday. Uh, he just got designated for assignment. But <laughs> the Tigers scheduled starter, 13.5 ERA. I like that a lot. Um, but despite the, the scheduled starter on Yahoo being wrong, I am going to go with a Met. I'm going with Pete Alonzo. Polar bear. The polar bear, baby. 
Uh, is it still still me at second base? Yeah. Uh, that's tough. Uh, let's go with... I'm going to go with Brandon Lowe from the Tampa Bay Rays. Great pick, Jordy. Um, although he's more of a utility guy, was he, is he every day second baseman? It's on the depth chart as the second baseman, so I'm going to steal him that way. All right, perfect. Um, I'm going with Whit Merrifield, Kansas City Royals. Oh, good call. Good call. Thank you. Uh, five hits, 417 so far this season. Um, shortstop, Jordy, this might surprise you. Or are we going third base? Uh, shortstop. Uh, yeah, shortstop first. Let's go by the numbers. All right, so the third base. Uh, just because... Yeah, I know you have a third. You have a shortstop that you really want, uh, really want for yourself. So, um, Jordy, Jordy, Jordy. Do I do it? Do I take Franco, your boy? By all means, take him. <laughs> that's not who I'm. That's not who I'm planning on taking. No, I know. I was because he used to be there. Um. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and take David Fletcher, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Good pick. Was not expecting that out of you. He had eight hits last week, 533 average, and pretty good. All right, Craig. Well, I'm going to go with back-to-back A's for my third baseman and shortstop. Going Matt Chapman as my third baseman and Marcus Semien as my shortstop. So, boom! It's a strong left side of the infield there. Oh, yeah. Jordy, this one's going to surprise you. I'm going to go with former Red Sox, Jose Iglesias from the Baltimore Orioles. Absolutely tore apart the Red Sox. Had another home run again tonight against the Yankees. Or no, uh, another RBI big hit against the Yankees. Doing pretty well. Who is this? Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias. I for like the it. Baltimore Orioles. Um, All right. So out. Yeah. So for me to kind of back up my ace picks, they're playing. Uh, they have a they have a pretty good schedule this week. They're playing the Mariners, who have been god awful to start uh, uh, over the weekend, and then they play the Texas Rangers next week, who have decent starting pitching, but I feel like is suspect to let up long balls. So that, that's my reasoning for going with A's. But I, I love the picks, Greg. Thank you. Now, do you want to go left field, center field, or right field, or you just want to go outfielders? Position. You want to go by position? Wow. Okay. All right, left fielder, who you got? I'm going with your hot guy of the week, Michael Brantley. Solid pick. My left fielder, Greg, who I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Trotman with the Yankees. Nice. Good choice. Yeah. Then for center field, I'm going to go with Starling Marte, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they have an interesting schedule coming up. They're playing the Dodgers and the Astros, both at home this week. I just feel like those guys had kind of an up-and-down start to the year. I just feel like they're due for a couple, a couple big games. And I know it's a bit of a stretch, but he's a guy that they picked up. They wanted to have some big things out of him. Maybe they're kind of going for it. He's batting 368 to start the year, so that's what I'm going with at center field. 
Great pick, Jordy. I'm going to go with the hottest Red Sox in terms of hitting uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I like it, JBJ. Do we get points for diving catches? No, we need to figure that out, how we want to do fielding. But at least hitting, it's still a solid call. Thank you. Uh, for right field, you know what? Marcus Lynn Betts has been terrible so far. I'm getting the gang back together. Marcus Lynn. <laughs> uh, I, like, I never knew that's what Mookie was short for. Oh, oh man. Um, yeah, so for me, I'm going to go... Surprised I have not picked one of them sooner. Um, but for me, I like what the Chicago Cubs have started off with. And I think they can uh, they can get some stuff done here. Um, probably should have picked Schwarber. But I am going to go with Hayward, Jason Hayward, uh, who they're kind of an out-of-the-box pick. But I like what the Cubs are doing so far. They play the Royals next week, and over the weekend, they're facing off with the Pirates. So I like that. And I, I feel like he could have himself a, a nice big week. He started off really slow, so I'm hoping that water starts to, to somewhat find its level. He's you know his batting average has been up and down, 250 last year, but hoping more for two for that 270 mark or at least a home run. He's reached 20 home runs every single year except for 2017 when he missed almost 40 games. So fingers crossed, Greg. True. So now should we just do any? position for our quote-unquote designated hitter spot because there are probably six or seven true designated designated hitters left did you want i wasn't sure if we want to do dh or not so you want to do a util guy well yeah because pitchers aren't hitting so i don't know what do you think that works i mean we're, we're literally making deals as we're going along here um, so it'd be your pick. So I guess I guess you have free reign to pick whatever position yeah, whatever, you want. Whoever I want. Um, wow, so much power in my hands here, Greg. Um, I guess with great power. Yeah, I guess I'll go. I mean, he he has not played DH for him, but I'm gonna go with Freddie Freeman. Nice. Yeah, I know that's a, a real stretch of a pick, but, you know, he's 4 for 4 tonight. I know he started out a little slow, and, you know, water finds its level, so I feel like he'll uh, he'll find it. So my head's telling me – I am going to go with the DH, a guy who typically plays DH. And my head is telling me to pick Giancarlo because they the Yankees are about to play the Red Sox six times in the next week and a half. And the Red Sox are the fucking worst team in the world. But I'm going to go with my hot guy of the week, Nelson Cruz. Minnesota yeah. Twins. I almost went with Nelson Cruz. I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, we joked around about the on-pace stuff. I People have to, like, cool down, and it's, it's just a question of how long are they going to cool down for, how hot do they stay? Because, like, I guess it's just a question of if you see such a shorter schedule on the, you know, on the calendar – do you feel more confident just keeping it rolling? And I like that pick a lot because I feel like, granted, 
never played 162 games of anything in a single year, let alone 60 of something. But I feel like if I normally am used to that 162 mark, maybe it is plausible to think that he keeps it going. I don't think you're going to see 10 RBIs out of him again. But you you never did a uh, you never did a full season franchise mode. Yeah, I've, oh, video games. Okay, I was talking about like athletic <laughs> achievements, Greg. I mean, you could argue e esports. I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Esports. We have to respect the esports. <laughs> Gotta respect them. <laughs> Philadelphia Fusion, man. <laughs> oh man, I, I pretty good experiment. All right. Uh, what's yeah, we'll see how this week? goes. Everybody, let us know what you think of this. How crazy our picks were. Um, yeah, this is gonna be nuts. I'm excited to to uh, to hear from everybody. But the, Greg, I think the worst part about quarantine and COVID is the world, aka me and and my roommate, are deprived of hearing you describe food. Yeah, that's a good point. We have no uh, for the no stadium ballpark snacks. eats. We have no no stadium snacks. Stadium snacks. Man, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. A temporary RIP on stadium snacks. Especially with uh, how things have gone food-wise. I can't even describe to you, like, me going out to dinner. So if we get sponsored by a certain company, I could describe the meals that I make from them. Nope. No, that wouldn't be the same. You know, the Instagram stories from you and your roommate are, are great, but like you said, unless we get a... a or we could do quarantine cooks with Jordy. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, Again, maybe. Let's get a sponsor. Let's get them to sponsor us. And then we'll. Maybe. Maybe no whatever, meal, whatever meal you make that you're most proud Or whatever meal tasted the best to you. Maybe you come out and say. That works. We'll figure it out. But, Greg, we did talk about hockey at the beginning. I know you want to explain some lacrosse. So we'll just do some quick hits. Um, Greg, exhibition games been going on in both basketball and hockey. I know you've been watching some of the hockey. What have your thoughts been so far uh, with with everything we've seen? Obviously, every team's only getting one look before the full show on Saturday, but anything jumping um, out to you? I think I love what the NHL did in terms of covering up the stands and making the rink just feel, not smaller, but making you it know, feel... I thought the same thing. It looks like it's a smaller surface because yeah, of the it, fact that it's so condensed. Right, and that's I think more of a testament to like, you know, without fans, the the arena would just feel huge. Yeah. So I it's think the same thing with the NBA. The fact that they have the giant screens and everything, it looks like they're playing on like a like a schoolyard basketball court. Yeah. So I was going to say the opposite about the NBA because I kind of hate their setup right now, and I hope okay. to figure out the camera angle because it's just because it's a hotel ballroom and not designed stadium, etc. It's just so far away, right? The camera angle is just not ideal. It's like you're watching the basketball game, uh, the college basketball game that takes place in the aircraft carrier and or, you know, these random places that they play college basketball games that are just not set up for um, cameras. So a hotel ballroom, to me, it's not not the answer. I wish they had – I wish Wide World Sports had some sort of stadium they could use, um, and I'm pretty sure they do, but – Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if – I love what hockey did, and I'm not – and I know it's going to piss off third and girl, but – Is it actually in a hotel ballroom? It's not in a stadium? I thought they were in something of the wide world of sports. 
almost positive it's a hotel ballroom. All right. Well, third and girl can correct us um, because all their well, all their practices are taking place in the hotel ballrooms. To your point though about hockey, and, did you and know that? I did not know that, and I the reason only reason why I'm taking it back to hockey is because I don't know enough about basketball to like get into any sort of debate with you. You know, Jordy, I do know a lot about basketball, despite what third and girl says. So I think we should only talk basketball next. Man, uh, it's going to be a lot of Greg talking and me sounding like a buffoon. <laughs> Just kidding. Speaking uh, about to hockey, I love the fact that they're doing the wire camera because there's no fans there. So you're actually able to get more of a bird's eye view as the play's developing and, and a little more of a unique angle. You can kind of see a guy cutting through, see passing lanes open up and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's almost it's almost like a scouting angle. You know, like the NFL, they talk about the all 22, you can see every player, blah, blah, blah. It's almost that. You know, you could, especially on a power play, it's going to be huge to see how teams move in a different angle of getting the entire offensive zone, you know, or, or even if they're in there for a while, getting the entire a six on five situation. You yeah. get the entire zone, you get to see sort of where everyone is without the awkward boards lying on the bottom of the, of the screen. So, sure. In terms of the games themselves, um, things have stuck out to me. I know they're exhibition games. Tampa looked unreal today, Tuesday against uh, against the Panthers. Bob looked like he's his glove is stuffed full of the amount of cash that they've been paying him. Um, some pretty weak glove side goals. Uh, Ovechkin looks like nothing has passed, and he may not. He, I mean, I, he's one of the best players I've ever seen live. An awesome goal scorer had a had a, his typical point snipe from that left circle. And then on the second one, Tom Wilson just goes down the ice like a fucking, like the big kid in little giant spike. How everybody's trying to tackle him and nobody can actually take him down. That's what Tom Wilson looked like. Somebody tried to lay a body check off and Tom Wilson literally bounced off the guy, bounced off him in the boards, kept the puck and just gets to Ovechkin to finish. Uh, the flyers look pretty good. I was pretty excited about that. Kevin Hayes looked awesome. Um, Brian Elliott still, you know, they did all right. Uh, does not like him against the Penguins, but, you know, they pulled out a W. Um, other things that stuck out to me, Battle of Alberta, we talked about a little bit. They had a little bit of a scrap last night. We saw an actual fight in the in the Tampa-Florida game. So, you know, we're, we're getting there, man. Now we're just we're running through the motions and going to be exciting to see what, uh you know, last day of exhibitions go through tomorrow and then the real deal Saturday. Yeah, and it's tough to take um, exhibition. I, this is—it's not like a regular exhibition because guys are legit playing exhibition for their playing time. Yeah, exactly. Granted, the top four teams like the Flyers, and you know they have those three or f- those three games to like see what Oscar Limholm has done with eight nine months off after treatments. You know what I mean? Like he isn't up yet. So I don't think, I don't think we'll see him play until probably if the flyers make any sort of deeper run. But even then, like you're in the middle of a playoff series, is it really a time to test someone who hasn't played in that long? You know what I mean? I I know exactly what you mean. The the next, the next three games is really a time for people to, to figure out at least the top four teams um, to figure out what's going on. But the, the, interesting part i think you know why you saw a fight with at least the panthers is you know those are guys that they're going into elimination series right away they need you know you're trying to earn a spot on that team you're this is it this is you doing your job this is this is like i'm trying to prove that i should earn playoff ice time right so 
interesting to see that these one or two games actually means a little bit more to these guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sorry. You were, where were we going next? No, a lot of the same stuff you were saying. Yeah. It's hard to really get an idea of like, you know, the flyers played well and they only had two goals, but they had a lot of shots and everything. At the same time, their second goal, if Genny Malkin throws a puck, little like I don't know if he's like just kind of messing around so he can just get his, his legs against other opponents going, but he threw the puck literally right into Kevin Hayes in the slot for him to be able to deke out the goalie. So you're thinking that in a playoff scenario where they're playing the Canadians this week, and you're not thinking that he's doing that kind of stuff. I don't think he's going to make a lazy play like that. So you know it's it's fun to say oh the Flyers beat the Penguins in this exhibition game, but at the same time it's exhibition. Yeah, and, 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 and whatever I'm happens, not, right? And I'm not putting too much stock in it because a guy like a, a guy like you know Malkin, who his job is secure, he's out there to get his yeah, oh yeah exactly his legs under him, his hockey legs back, his hands making sure that they're good against other competition besides the terrible Pittsburgh defense. But um, you know for the Flyers and you know Hayes played a lot today, you know maybe he doesn't play as much game one. You know it's it's all. Up in the air, and and I think the interesting part is every every team is going to take it differently. Um, That's a really good point, especially how they ran their goalies. Like the Flyers did two and did two and one for Hart and and Elliott. So the third period, you could tell they were kind of messing around a little more, Uh, and they were playing their third and fourth line a lot more. Kevin Hayes, Claude Giroux, lines one and two, two uh, Giroux's and playing center, but. Line one and two guys weren't playing as much in the third period. Scott Lawton was the one who ended up scoring the big goal, and he's had himself a great camp and actually looked pretty good in the first two periods. But you could tell there was a little bit different of a vibe in that third period. Yeah, and Pittsburgh switched the goalie literally at 10 minutes to the second period like yeah. you used to do in, in many mites. So it's like it's kind of funny because it's, you know, that that idea that, you know, they don't know if they're going to start Jari or, or Murray, which is wild. You yeah, know? The- and and. The nutty thing, too, like, to your point, they literally got a too many men on the, the ice penalty because an entire line went out when nobody was coming to the bench. There were 10 yeah. men in Pittsburgh colors on the ice. Right. So it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch it again. It's fun to see guys like Ovechkin just completely tear through while you know, everybody else is kind of you know getting their sea legs under him. He's just completely having fun, and it's, it's awesome to see. Uh, McDavid looked awesome last night. Uh, which not a shocker, but you know, I think it's just that thing of just how good these guys are, and you know, even in exhibition, they can kind of mess around and then take three steps, and all of a sudden they're halfway down the ice while everybody else is looking around. Jordy, let's give the folks a little preview of our Sunday night pod. Let's one through four, the top four teams after after their games. Let's each conference without any explanation just say, you know. Bruins, Tampa, Washington, Philly. You know, let's just rank them one through four, and we'll give our full reasons why, our full analysis on Sunday. And if those dedicated fans can write down what we choose now, and then if we change it on Sunday, we'll get called out for it. But um, put you on the spot, one through four, how does the East shake up after the the, the, free, the whatever uh, seeding games or whatever they're being called? So, so the order you said – is what I think, which is the chalk. But I think Bruins, Tampa, each go two and one. Flyers and Capitals go one and two. And the the tiebreaker, for those that don't know, is just instead of, you know, 
head-to-head and everything, it's regular season points, which gives the Bruins the utmost advantage that I thought that they weren't going to, you know, that I thought they were getting screwed by. Um, but that's my, the order you said is what I think. I think uh, Flyers maintain the, you know, everybody maintains their seats. Oh, man, Jordy. I'm going to give you some analysis on this one. Do you want me to say who I think be two? Because I actually do have a... I have that thought of why I think the Flyers go one and two. And, and but, but but just some analysis for you. The Bruins never beat the Capitals, and the Bruins never beat the Flyers. And the Bruins in Tampa, the Bruins never beat the Lightning. So That was my thought, was that the Flyers never beat Tampa. The Bruins the are going to go have been up and, and down with the, with, with the Bruins. And they always beat the at least this year they've beaten the Capitals. So I think they beat the Capitals, but lose to the Red, the Bruins and the in the Lightning. This was the first year the Bruins beat the Capitals, and I think the last four seasons. Really? Yeah. Uh, and we all know that the Marsh end and the hover over the puck against the Flyers and that nonsense. You had and a yeah, five, one, you had a five two lead. Regardless yeah. of that, you blew a five two lead in that game. Right. I mean, I'm on a team, but yeah, I mean, that's the point is that the Bruins... The general you. The Bruins get beat up by by tough, gritty teams like the Capitals and, and the Flyers. So, uh, And then Tampa is just a nightmare matchup. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, the Bruins... They look really fucking good today. Yeah, and the only reason why Tampa wasn't good throughout the season is because of injury and, and everyone's healthy, everyone's back, so it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them. So I'm going to go, I know we're giving analysis and I broke my own rule. And I'll it's fine. I mean, they, they probably want to hear some, something at least on these ones. Cause for what Greg so. is referencing, we're going to record a hockey playoff preview podcast on Sunday night after we watch the Flyers Bruins game and all that good stuff. Um, and obviously there are going to be some games that are played in the first round. So we're going to give our quick hits on the series is, and then see if we still feel comfortable with where, where we're at through those games. I'm, I'm going to go and, I'm going Tampa, Philly, Washington, Boston, which is ah, okay. wild, which is absolutely wild. That is nuts. Um, I it, It's hard it, to think that the Flyers and the Bruins, that the, that the Flyers go ahead of the Bruins. I get what you mean. Of like They've played the Bruins well all year and everything, and they and they just have not played Tampa well. So I, I think you're right that Tampa goes ahead of them. I just think the Capitals, I think, are in the, the worst spot of the four teams because I don't think they – I get what you're saying, that they've played them well. They've, they've normally played the Bruins really well. But, like, the Bruins did their job this year, and it's hard to think they don't again. But I lo- that being said, I hope that we get into a position, and thankfully there's reseeding and everything, that if all is said and done, that we get a Capitals-Bruins series somewhere in, in the later stages of the playoffs, because that would be a lot of fun to watch. They, I think that would be such a fun series. They match up well. Two solid mm. goalies, really three, because the Bruins have two of them. Um, the Bruins and just smoked. And, no, it, and they both have great goal scorers. Pasta and Ovechkin going at it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, but it's it's the it's the St. Louis Blues all over again. It's just the them just bullying the Bruins around. Because you, you bowling ball Tom Wilson just flying around everywhere. Um, but it's it's to me, you know, Tuca has a broken finger. He broke it in camp before he came in. So it's like he says it's not going to affect him. You know, I don't know how much they're going to play him. They, you know, if they play him. Uh, splits periods with Halak, or if he plays all four games or three games, you know Halak's a great goalie in his own right, best one-two combo in the entire NHL. That's based on numbers; that's a fact. But they literally went on the board. 
Yeah, and and Pasta hasn't played hockey in the last two weeks because of fear of Corona, and he spent the last month sick. Is he yeah, playing tomorrow? I don't know. He's been skating. I don't know. He's I don't know if he's playing in the game tomorrow, but he's been skating. But that's the point. And yeah, he showed up to the quarantine, the bubble late. But the 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 point is. I very easily could see the Bruins going 0-3. And, and if you're a Flyers fan, all you have to do is beat the Bruins, you know, regardless of what you do with everyone else. If you beat the Bruins in the first game, you're in the driver's seat because you're what you're one and know. You can even if the, you know the let's say the Bruins go one and two, but you're one and know. You know, you hope the Bruins will go because they're not beating Washington, they're not beating Tampa. So if Philly Bruins will be 0-3 if they lose to Philadelphia, in my opinion. I, I hope I'm wrong, but my head over that it's funny because all the experts are picking the flyers to come in last flyers coming last flyers coming last out of these four teams yeah but, I, don't, I don't see any teams going 0 and three that's my that's that's my like i don't know if that's a hot take or not because you know it's a zero sum game and everything i feel like i don't know like i just feel like all three all four teams have the opportunity to, to jump up on one another and i think you're right that like Tampa's the one team that that kind of sets themselves up really well because they have such a such like a fucking cavalcade of good guys, either forward, defenseman, goalie, Vasilevsky's as good as he looked today, which granted, again, exhibition game, Florida didn't look so sharp. Although they had a couple breakaways and Vasilevsky stood stood on his head. Um I just don't see him going that way, so I feel like tiebreakers are, are gonna be what determines seating. Yeah, it's tough because like you know, you know a guy like Tom Wilson is going to go a thousand percent, and you know a guy like Ovechkin. Not that he's going to give eighty-five percent, but he's going to he's going to give enough to for his team to win. But he's not going to go as hard as he would in a playoff series. Yeah, he's going to right? he's going to save himself for that. But like, even today, he was setting Kucherov up really well. Like, I feel like he'll want to like get himself into a good position where like he was in positions that Ovechkin normally tries to like go short side, top corner, something like that. At least from what I was seeing today. And he's trying to, like, make those tic-tac-toe passes. And maybe that's what he does. And, like, even if it's a six times out of ten, he, he misses. I mean, the other four times, he's still passing to a pretty good forward in Kucherov or even Tom Wilson, who gets a ton of fucking points because he plays Lovechkin. Yeah, and I guess that's my, my larger point is that, like, you don't we don't know how these four teams are going to play it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good that's the, let's, Going back to the Flyers, sorry for interrupting you, of that we don't know what their strategy is because – Elliot's going to start one of the three games. Hart's definitely going to start against the Bruins, but we don't know. Like, if they lose, are they going to put Hart in for Game Two so they can try to get a W, or are they going to put in Elliot and save Hart for the Lightning? I don't know what their strategy is going to be. And I think you're exactly right. Of like, how is Av going to call it? How's he going to play the fourth line? How's Plus, he gonna, is he going to mix up lines in between games to see to experiment? Right. Plus, as it goes on, you know, let's say it's the last game and you know, the Bruins and, and Capitals about to play and, and first, you know. Yeah, you know right. who's who's in what spot exactly. Exactly, right. exactly. You know that there's an upset. You know that the last place you know, whatever Rangers or or you know, you know who the last place team will be. You know, oh I, we match up with them, we wanna win or, or we don't match up with a well with with the eighth seed in in, in uh in Columbus we wanna lose. You know what I mean? Like there's like you said, you wanna know, you wanna so, you, at the end, at the end, of, at at the end of the week or whatever, that those games could mean either way more or way less based on seating. So to Greg's point, forever to give everybody an idea, the final two games of the round robin are on August eighth and August 9th. August eighth sees the Flyers and Lightning play for the East. 
and the Golden Knights and the Avalanche play for the West. The Bruins and Capitals, the Stars and Blues play on the ninth. And no matter what, two series in each conference are going to be done. So you're going to have a decent idea if there is an upset for it. And that's a really good point, Greg, because you might see, you know, Pasta only get seven minutes of ice time. He plays the first period hard and then decides, you know what, let's let's cool it off. We can, pl-, you know, they're either up or they're down or wherever. We can kind of take a, we can pump the brakes here. Kind of like a couple years ago when the Flyers played early on the last game of the season. They won and were slated to play the Penguins. So the Devils and the Blue Jackets, neither of whom wanted to play the Penguins in the first round of the game, all they needed to do was even just go to overtime, and they were gonna and they were gonna edge out the Flyers to play the Penguins. And both of them let their first and second line play the first period, and then third and fourth line were the main two going in there with a sprinkling of the second line. So that's it's a really good point because the strategy is really gonna come in there, and we're gonna be able to talk about this by the time we get a little closer to it because you know that's we're gonna do our preview on Sunday. That's a really good thought going in because that first game, that first period, we're probably going to see a lot of feeling out of that Flyers Bruins game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and and who's in, who's to say how much? Uh, I mean, the Flyers have more days off, but who's to say how much? Like I said, pasta plays tomorrow. I was going to ask you: Do you think it's an advantage to the Bruins that they actually play earlier, so you can see the Flyers tape? You kind of are probably working on it anyway, and then you get the tape of tomorrow, to, or Thursday, for those listening not on immediately on Thursday. No, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think exhibition tape really means that much. I think you're watching systems from the regular season. Okay. Cause you know, the players, you, it's more of what are they going to run the power play? It's more of, you know what I mean? Like exhibitions, people try things that they're not, you know, normally do. So realistically, I don't think that, um, you know, that is an advantage. I think the only advantage that they may have is that they they will have played comp- a competitive game in theory, or they will have played another team more recently. Um, so their legs might be a little more and their heads might be a little more into it. Um, but at the same time, you know, Philly has what five, six days off now before their game. So it's like, are they going to be super rested? Are they going to come out flat? You know, they want to outside of doing inner squad scrimmages, they won't be as competitive. So, I think that's you know disadvantage or not, it's still an exhibition game versus you know versus inner squad scrimmage. I'm sure the Flyers will do something else coming up soon. But um, so let's go to the West, Jordy. Yeah, all right. So West round robin, you got the Blues, Avalanche, Golden Knights, Stars. Uh, I'm gonna go Avs one. I'm gonna go Blues two. I almost went Golden Knights. Um, I think the Stars come in three and Golden Knights come in four. I know. Um, yeah, you know, I know the Golden Knights have a pretty pretty loaded lineup. They have Flurry, who has a ton of playoff experience. But I think a lot of the, the talk that we were just saying of how do they approach it, they have a number of different guys that they can mess around with. They have Laner that they might want to, to pepper in there. Um, but I, I think similar to that Flyers-Bruins game, I think that Golden Knights-Stars game on Monday is going to be vitally important how this goes. I feel like Blues-Avalanche Blues determines 1-2. And that stars Golden Knights game determines three four. I feel like there's two tiers to this. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and Ronson is coming back for the Avalanche too, so that's a big that's a big plus for me. Yeah, it's so tough because the Blues are just not a team that starts out well. They they are they come out proven track record last year is coming out of the gate slow. 
So I just don't see them having a good round robin. So I could very easily see them going one and two or zero and three. Um, maybe not zero and three, but definitely yeah. one and two. That's the thing. So, this is another one that I think like the only team so, I could legitimately see go zero and three is the Stars. But like, I feel like they're all going to win a game. They're all going to chip away at something. They all right. have that attitude. Even the Avalanche is a little more high flying. And even the Stars, they they had a terrible start to the season until they got yelled at by their their owner or whatever. But yeah. Oh yeah, remember all that shit. Yeah, I feel like the Golden Knights and the Avalanche are two teams that come out flying. The Avalanche are young. They got that that young vibe. The Golden Knights are still playing the, the redeem team nonsense, um, which Fingers probably is. I think you just brought another sports tee into to hockey. What else would you call it? They have the... The the Island of Misfit Toys? I don't know. <laughs> the Castaways? Bring a Survivor but, mix into it? Yeah, so I feel like that might go away. But, I, you know, I'm going to go Golden Knights 1 just because of Flurry. Abs 2, Blues, Stars. That's um, my only thing with the Avalanche. Is I feel like... Or not the Avalanche, the Golden Knights. Is that everybody, like, says Flurry will do this. And granted, they got screwed last year with the, with the Major... But I don't know. I just feel like that they're like they're reaching. They're still reaching. I feel like and and granted, they got Mark Stone last year. He's done really well. Laner's a huge pickup that I feel like even if Flurry's you know kind of dragging his feet, I just I don't see them getting ahead of the Avalanche. It's my only thing. All right, fair enough. Um, the Avalanche are young. They have the those the young scrappy legs, etc. So they'll definitely be a team that'll take these games extremely seriously and, and will definitely ball out for all three games. Oh, yeah. um, but so it's very possible that that happens. I just, the golden Knights to me are a team that comes in ready, comes in hot year after year. They've, they've been a team from jump street Liter- that literally year after year. It's their third yeah. year in the league. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Sorry, they they literally year after year come in hot, start hot. So to me, they have the advantage in this three game series. All right. Um, so quick I hits. Think, yeah, I think we're the gonna Blues make our are picks. Slow team. They suck. We're gonna make our picks. We'll start in the West, Greg, for the Western Conference qualifying round of how we think this is gonna go. Eight five matchup: Edmonton, Chicago. You want to start? No analysis, just who who's gonna win? Yeah, we might as well just no analysis. We can give like a one word an- or one sentence answer if we want. It's funny because this is this is the in in the tournament that March Madness tournament. This is the this is the I guess twelve five. This is the matchup that everyone picks, right? This is the upset that people. This is the everyone wants the Blackhawks over Oilers because they're like, oh, Blackhawks have all this talent and all this blah blah blah. I think at the end of the day, the Oilers' speed, the Oilers' overall just having a better ah, – this is so tough. This is a tough one because I want to pick the Oilers, but my heart's telling me Blackhawks because I'm falling into the trap. I'm falling into, into the Cinderella team and magic of the Blackhawks. So I think the magic that you want to buy into, for one, you have two of the best players in the world in Dreitzeidel – and McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, still awesome. Zach Cassian, just a just a fucking bulldog. Mentioned it a little bit. All the different fights in the Battle of Alberta. This guy does not take shit from anybody. Goalie situation, 
you know, say what you will about it of Smith and Koskinen, uh, you know, they, they, had two, they had good years. I mean, the, the Oilers, you know, they were the fourth highest points in the West, but end up because of points percentage is the five seed. But I think the magic you want to buy into is Colby Cave, their player who, who sadly passed away. Uh, he had uh, a colloid cyst after being in a coma. He suffered from ble- from br- brain bleeding. And I feel like that team really rallied around it. They had that heart-moving video of them with his wife and kid as they were practicing getting ready to go into the bubble. I feel like this is... Between that and the fact that so many people are falling into the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups, we have Kane, we have Taves, we have Duncan Keith, we have all these different dudes. I feel like that they're going to you know, pull a, pull a Patriot way and, and say we have the chip on our shoulder, we got to do this for Colby, and I feel like they're going to get this thing done. Yeah, three-game sweep. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I almost, I almost think a sweep is in there. Like and it's like almost lining up perfectly, right? That the Blackhawks win four nothing today, the Oilers like the big joke about last night, and same with the the Maple Leafs was that they were the away teams in their home rank. Ha ha ha! You had all the stuff of the you know Carey Price going down the wrong tunnel, out of Scotiabank, and you know Pasternak's tweeting out no no Maple Leafs. But for the Oilers, you know business as usual, they come out. And despite nearly having a preseason or warm-up, whatever you want to call it, brawl, where you know a couple of players got dinged for it, they still took care of business and won 4-1. And we're saying don't buy into it, but Blackhawks go 4 nothing against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And you're thinking, oh, they're all set to do it. And that's probably all the Oilers are seeing. And probably what their coaches are saying this is what they think that you know. Right here, you go. I mean, we're 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 getting into analysis, which is the thing yeah, we're, yeah. we're not supposed to be doing. And and you've right, been on a right. rant here, so I'm you're cutting right. you off. You're so, right. Good 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 co-hosting. So, um, all right. So, so next fuck one, you. next one up. Next one up. Nashville, Arizona. What do you think? Fuck you. Um, five game series, and fuck. Coyotes, because the Coyotes struggled with goalies being injured all year. Their goalies are not injured. They're a team that comes out hot every year and stays the end of the year, so I think they come out hot and win in five. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, as I'm tempted to go Coyotes, but I'm going to go Predators in five. I just think uh, they're a team that struggled a ton, had up-and-down year. They fired Laviolette. Um yeah, I just think, I I think Renee figures it out and they, they get the job done. I like so, it. Predators in five. Um, Vancouver, Minnesota. I'm gonna go Minnesota here. I think Vancouver. I know there's no fans, so you can't say like the the hometown pressure gets to them. But I just feel like youth within the Vancouver team uh, may be their downfall for how good that the youth on their team is. I just feel like that that might be a uh, the Achilles heel comparatively to a little more of a uh, seasoned Minnesota Wild team. Yeah, and the Wild. This is one of those series where it's like bully and and like toughness of of Minnesota versus yes. the skill and speed of Vancouver. What's going to win out, old school versus new school? So, 
Ultimately, I think I'm going to go. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go different. I'm going Canucks. Okay. I like it. I like the, yeah, the difference in the picks. Calgary, Definitely Winnipeg. Wrong. I really like Winnipeg, and I think Hollabuck, you know, he, he's done himself a really good job. Vesna ca- candidate. Um, Vesna, excuse me. Jesus, I always fuck that up. Um, I don't know. I want to pick Winnipeg really badly. I just feel like Calgary. Red Sox finally won a game. Sorry. Hey, there it is. Uh, I just feel like Calgary gets it done here. I feel like they, they're they seeing literally seeing red with their jerseys, but I feel like they want to get an opportunity. We got, you know, they know we got screwed, the fans, out of that 4-5 matchup between them and, and the Oilers. And I don't know. I feel like they just they want to continue to battle their way until they can finally face off with their arch rivals. Uh, I know that's a really terrible analysis, but I don't know. I, it's something we're, we're, we talked about this a year ago with them, with the, how skilled they are. But Winnipeg's the same type of team, so they match up kind of weird that way. And they've had such a, right, the right, Jets have had right, such a weird year. All right, Sorry. All right. Jesus, dude. One sentence. Um, love to talk. I love <laughs> Start a podcast. First time, long time. Everything in me wants me to pick Johnny Hockey, and I want the battle of I want Edmonton and, and Calgary to play out. So, just for that reason alone, I'm I'm going Calgary over Winnipeg. Love it. All right, Eastern Conference: Pittsburgh, Montreal. I'm going Pittsburgh. I that's the other one that's like oh twelve five like you mentioned with March Madness. I don't think that the Habs have nearly enough depth to match up Pittsburgh. Fuck the Canadians. Yeah, I think three game sweep. I think this is this is revenge time for the for Crosby and Malkin uh, after getting swept last year. Carolina Rangers. This is probably the uh, the chalk upset pick, but I am going to go with the Rangers. I just I think they play such a solid game that's both skilled and physical between D'Angelo being just a fucking villain all over the place and having Panarin and, and Sabanajad and all that stuff. Goalie's the biggest question mark, though. Falling into the trap. Yeah, does does Lundqvist actually make the playoff roster? That's that's the key question. And does he play? Um, fuck. Everything in me wants to pick the Rangers, but Carolina just had proven that they can do it. Although... They played the shitty fucking Islanders. Um, yeah, all right. I'm going to go Rangers. I'll go with you. Love it. Uh, Islanders, Florida. This is like the one that I, I'd i love to switch out one of those teams in, in Car- Carolina and the Rangers and see them both move on to the first round. But I don't know. I'll go with the Islanders. Trotz has the cup resume. That's my, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I guess Q does too for Florida. Fuck it. Go Islanders. Nice. Um... Yeah, the Panthers really aren't getting any respect to win this series, so kind of crazy. But, yeah, fuck it. I'll go Islanders, too. All right, Toronto-Columbus. Talk this... about... Yeah. You go. No, this is, this is the series to watch of round yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Talk about two differing schools of thought. Toronto with kind of a, you know, everybody... Everybody just needing them to finally advance out of a round that 
is the round they couldn't advance out of. Um, I like Toronto here because I, I really have not bought into the Columbus hype all season long, and Elvis Merzlikas kept proving me wrong day in, day out. But I don't know. I feel like they started out so slow, and the, the Toronto always starts so hot every year. So I just feel like this is almost like a new season. So go, you know, go, go Maple Leafs. Yeah. And that's what I've been preaching up and down this podcast is, is who starts hot and who doesn't. So for me, you would have to say that I would pick the Leafs just for that reason. But fuck man. Does this team know how to, does the blue jackets not know how to play in the playoffs and, and really test the team really bring them to their wits end. I mean, Tortorella you're talking about... doesn't quit. I mean, he like brings that attitude into his players. You saw it yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's, I really, everything in me wants to pick the blue jackets just because I would love to see the Leafs not make it out of the first round, but not, this isn't even the first round because the, the first round's round. the next yeah. round. Yeah. So they wouldn't even make the playoffs, but I, you know, end of the day, I, I'll, I'll go Toronto as well, but I really wanted to pick. <laughs> Columbus, but I'll go Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a there's a win for all hockey fans either way. It's either Tortorella goes out early and we get some sort of epic meltdown from him, or the Maple Leafs go out early and we see like a GM fire sale from him of like who who do the Maple Leafs who are they gonna scapegoat with it? Who ends you know who are they gonna send off somewhere for a number of draft picks? Something crazy, almost like what they did with Phil Kessel. Uh, Jordy, let me ask you a question. Fire away. Before we get your too early Stanley Cup pick, any chance that the which team of the five through twelve has the best shot of actually making it to the cup? To the final. Because right now, because right win? now. Just making it, winning it, blah, blah, blah. Because right now everyone has the top four teams on both sides as the favorites. So which team that's not the top four on each conference, in your opinion, has the best legit shot of making it that far and winning it? I mean, it's hard not to say Pittsburgh and Edmonton because of how good both of those teams are. And the pedigree Pittsburgh has, A, and then just how good – at least how top-heavy the, the Oilers are. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh in the East because of the pedigree. Oilers, there's just a lot of question marks. Uh, so for the West, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Calgary. I feel like they've shown that they, they have that bite that they were missing last year. Um, obviously, they got to get out of a tough first-round matchup. But if they do and they end up playing... You know they end up having a greedy first round matchup, which odds are they will. They could have them. They could find themselves in the second round, third round, just if they run into into the Avalanche. It's that's probably their biggest Achilles heel because I feel like the Avalanche can outsprint them. But I like that in the West. I like Pittsburgh. But if we're gonna go non chalk, oh god, that's really tough for the rest of the East. Maybe to, no, I don't think Toronto. No, can Pittsburgh. Go deep. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's not a Pittsburgh's five. They're not. A, they're not a top four team. Yeah, so I'm just saying like they're the chalk fine. of the of the five to twelve. So well, I'm trying no, to think of like a, the, another dark horse, you know. But it's also the trap that I've fallen into the last five years of picking Pittsburgh because of what they've done in the past and why everyone's picking 
the Blackhawks like, now. The, the difference with Pittsburgh, though, of like the last couple of years, where like you know they won the cup in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. You know they they finally lose to the Capitals in the second round. This year they went through the fucking gauntlet of losing so many players, who all of whom are now healthy, and really just the biggest question mark comes down to the goaltending of what does Murray do or does Jari, or Jari. do what fucking Murray did to Flurry? You know, um, like is is that storyline about to unfold in front of our eyes again? Uh, so I mean, that's kind of why this feels like a different, you know, the di- the different bag of goods that Pittsburgh's selling us right now. That's. That's the only reason why I'm like I'm having a tough time shying away from them or or really picking anybody else because the Rangers are that kind of team too of you know the tale of Hank coming out out and they have the two other goalies that have all that story and and they have a guy that they probably found on the Long Island Long Island Express or whatever the hell you call it and Tony D'Angelo as a just a villain in defense I know I said that before but they have to get out of the first round and then they have to get yeah. out of the second round they'll probably play the Lightning and that's a I almost said wild. That's an insane first round matchup. Rangers lightning. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, and I'm, I as well, I'm picking Pittsburgh as that team, but I just think it's, you know, of the top five or of the teams that aren't the top four in each. I feel like, like you said, they're finally healthy, you know, even though Sid came on late or left practice or whatever, whatever that nonsense is, they're no, finally he, healthy. He looked fine against the Flyers. So that was yeah. like a, he either felt sick or he had a pull in something. He looked yeah. fine against the Flyers and he helped cause their first goal. Right. They're finally healthy, etc. And for the West, I'm going to go Nashville. Yeah, I almost went Nashville. Um, similarly to Pittsburgh the year they won it, four, or four years ago when they won it. Fired a coach, solid roster. Maybe that's just the jolt they needed. Yeah. Um, Jordy, at the end of the day, no analysis, just a team name. Who wins Stanley Cup and who do they beat to do it? Avalanche over Bruins. What? Good for you. I, I would. I would literally – Rip my own heart out. The Bruins lost two years in a row. Hey man, how many finals? You've gotten that. You you've gotten a bunch of finals in in your lifetime. I have two, 1997 and 2010. Ugh, can you imagine making it there, back to back years and losing? No, I literally can't. Both years. Ugh. The only back to back I have, there's one win. Phillies 08 and 09. Well, there you go. This is the Bruins or the Phillies this year. Um, hey, hard saying, my heart's saying Bruins. My head is saying Lightning, like everyone else. Uh, but I love that Avalanche pick, man. Fuck. Fuck it. Just to be different, Jordy. Bruins over. Knights. Wow, okay. Fuck. All right. There it is. <laughs> I love it. Done. All right. Jordy, this is too long of a podcast to discuss right. the PLL. However, the playoffs will be starting next week for the PLL. You so. can explain it to it. You can explain it to the audience on Sunday night. How does that sound? Oh, nice. Yeah, so it, the first week the first week was round robin round, round robin. Uh, seating wise for the playoffs, and next week is the playoffs. So, 
Love it. Uh, Jordy, I, there was a question that you didn't answer. Ask, answer, whatever. I was about from... to say, you asked uh, who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Emily wants to know who's going to win the World Series. So, Greg, I don't think we even picked it last week. Who do you think is winning the World Series? We did pick. We both said the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, fuck, man. Yankees and Dodgers seem like on a collision course no matter what. Yeah. So. They really do. And there's zero chance I pick, obviously, the Do- the Yankees. So, 1,000% Dodgers. Yeah, I think... Uh, Marcus Lynn. That's... All right. Well, that'll do it, Greg. Uh, thank you, everybody, if you're still listening. Really appreciate the support and all that stuff. Tell your friends. And tune back Sunday night. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter. Join our Facebook group. That's where we got all these wonderful questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted a question. And Greg, go Flyers. Go Bees. Go Sox. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you Sunday night.